I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Yeah. We are reading Luke chapter 10 today. Mm-hmm. And we'll get started. Okay. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals or and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me, but he who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Any questions there? There's a few things that don't make sense, I think. Okay. Well, I don't understand, I should say. Um, Verse 4. Do not take a purse, bag, or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Mm -hmm. Why, uh... Because they're on a mission. Don't get distracted on your way? Yeah. I mean, it seems that they were sent out to specific towns. You know, if there's 72, there's probably more of a plan than just, everybody go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, don't get distracted. Don't but talk to someone. when they're walking by, they smile and wave, or they're just keeping their eyes on the ground. I mean, I don't know. They might smile and wave, but I think it's just... It's a way Just of go. focus. Yeah, focus. And then also, um, if they talk to somebody on the road, I'm kind of just speculating here. But someone could say, oh, you're a weary traveler. Why don't you come and stay with us for the night? You know, like uh, the two men did when they didn't recognize Jesus on the way to Emmaus. Yeah. It was kind of the, the culture of the people to be super, super welcoming. So, 
maybe they would be like, come to our town and heal my family or something. Yeah, and if they said, oh, yeah, we're traveling and we don't have any food and we don't have another cloak and we don't have any money and, you know, all these different things, um, it might be really easy for them to leverage their position into getting pity. Okay. Um, what was the other thing? I thought it interesting that the peace thing give peace to the house like this blessing mm-hmm. as if it's a tangible thing yeah and give you peace stays there if not it comes back to you mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I think that might have been the only thing okay well, all right, let's keep reading. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powerful, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So he's just saying, don't, don't become like obsessed with your power, right? Yes, and he's saying that. I think when he's talking about snakes and scorpions here, he's talking about Satan and the demons. Mm-hmm. And I would guess this might be where some charismatic churches. Assume Jesus is literally talking about allowing them to be bitten by snakes and hmm. be safe, but saying, yeah, you are much more powerful. You're on my side. Focus on heaven. Okay. Verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I'm sorry. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but didn't see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hmm. Okay, so... You have hidden these things from the wise. Mm Mm-hmm. What things is he talking about? Salvation? I think he's talking about salvation, uh, faith, the power that comes from God. It's not based on our intellect. You know, it's not that, oh, you're the smartest person in the world, so you have the strongest faith. Um, It's faith like a little child is strong. The Bible isn't some code to crack. You know, it's... It's a gift that God just gives to anyone. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that's the point there. 
And then verse 22, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son. I think that's talking in the sense to know, um, have this experiential relationship with. That, I mean, I thought it was like, I'm sorry, go on. No, that, you know, only Jesus has been to heaven and Mm. then come to earth Hmm. and understands the true power of God and has been in his glory. Just like the Father knows the Son in that way. I was going to say, I thought it was interesting that the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned there yeah i think though all he is talking about is bringing people to the father that happens a lot where jesus just talks about his relationship to the father it doesn't mean he's excluding the holy spirit but yeah (laughs) i don't know because that was mentioned in verse 21 of joy through the Holy Spirit, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting See, I, the relationship between the Trinity. Yeah, and the more we kind of break down the roles, I think the more closer we get to messing it up. But the way I'm gonna try anyway, no, I'll probably don't do it. mess it up. No, so the Father is in heaven uh-huh. and the father is the one that has these standards you have to be perfect right. in order to be in heaven and jesus is the one fulfilling the plan to suffer and die on the cross the father doesn't die the holy spirit doesn't die uh-huh. but the holy spirit is the one who creates and strengthens faith in our hearts through the word and the promises of god and the sacrament right so when but- jesus is talking about he and the Father, he's talking about people going to heaven. And he, I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one that's giving them faith through all this, but it's more understood than saying, I'm trying to bring you to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that brings people to faith. Mm-hmm. Sure, but the statement, no one knows like heaven or no one knows God or no one understands God three the three persons of the trinity are all one so they would know and understand each other so you could say no one knows the son except the father and the holy spirit because obviously the holy spirit knows who the son is Mm -hmm. and knows was with him from eternity you know because they're all the same yeah I don't know. Well, this is called an argument from silence. You know, because he doesn't say it, then you're inferring what it means. All right, and I'm sure there's other people that do because there's religions or churches that don't think the Holy Spirit is equal with. You know, but the thing is, with an argument from silence, you're not only assuming you know what it says, but then you're also assuming what it means that it doesn't say what you think it should say. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Oh, yeah, well, maybe I should.
<laughs> Try to write the, a book about the Trinity. The silence of scripture. Mm. All right, let's move on. Well, I think I think we're good on the 72. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, verse 25. The parable of the Good Samaritan. This is a pretty common section. Mm-hmm. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? <laughs> Suspenseful page turn. Mm-hmm. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, questions there well it struck me right when I was reading this I have that verse 27 underlined love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength with all your mind mm-hmm. um, and I'm seeing that now as a quote or paraphrase from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 and love your neighbor as yourself is Leviticus 19, verse 18. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the notes in the Bible. Well, when I was reading it, I thought, this is weird that people quote this all the time because it's not something Jesus says. It's something that this Pharisee says. But now I look back at it. It's God's words from the Old Testament just mm-hmm. put into I don't know if that's word for word or I yeah, think one of those updated. is added I should look what is the first one? Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 for whatever reason my memory is telling me one of those wasn't in there like strength yeah um, so that I thought was interesting uh, well then wait now here's another note I'm just reading uh, elsewhere, Jesus uses these words in reply to another question. Matthew, Mark, putting the same two scriptures together. Whether a fourfold love, heart, soul, strength, mind, as 
here in a mark or threefold Deuteronomy. The significance is that total devotion is demanded. Heart, so, soul, and strength. He doesn't have mind in right. Did Deuteronomy. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. So in some places it has four, and then other places it only has three. Mm-hmm. But it all means the same thing, total devotion. Yeah. Yeah, so Jesus does say this in other places, plus God says it in the Old Testament. And, yeah, when I was reading, I was like, why do we quote this guy? But Jesus does also say you've answered correctly, so it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, I think, is... Obviously, it's a great lesson Jesus teaches about loving everybody, even your enemy and even strangers. So not just your actual, like, next-door neighbor who is kind to you and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, or people in your church or people in your family, but every single person. And... um, he says, go and do likewise. So loving and giving generously. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting is, you know, it's love. It's something that you think would be comforting. But at the same time, it's really convicting law. You know, tells us how, how uh, flawed our love is a lot of times, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, well, whenever I read this, I always start thinking about how much I should or shouldn't be helping, you know, random strangers Mm -hmm. that you see, because I think also, I mean, I don't know how teenage boys are raised, but when you're in high school and you're just learning to drive, your parents always tell you, don't stop, you know, for a car that's pulled over, you know, because someone could be trying to, like, trick you, get you. Like, well, if you see a car on the side of the road, don't stop and, like, get oh, out of your yeah. car. I don't understand that. What do you mean? Well, why wouldn't you stop and help anybody? Oh, if you get out of your car, someone will, like, kill you or abduct you or something. Hmm. I was never taught that. Maybe it's just because people think girls are targets and victims. But I remember being told that. I'm not blaming my parents here or anything, but <laughs> multiple people. It's not safe. Like, if you see someone pulled over, just mm-hmm. pull over and you call the cops or something. But don't get out and try to help them yourself. You know? Because they could, it could be a setup. They could steal your car. They could rob you. They could... Worse, you know, right. all this stuff. Well, remember so it's that like happened. then you drive by and you could be like, oh, someone's pulled over on the corner of, you know, 80th and Lincoln and then just call in. You don't have to physically stop, but you can help in other ways. And then, you know, I've heard people read this and preach on this and say, like, your fear, don't let Satan use your fear to stop you from being kind and loving. Mm-hmm. You know, because maybe that's what the other guys were thinking. Oh, if I, if I stop and help this man, the robbers will come get me too because yeah, I'll be maybe. in a vulnerable position or something. Right. 
Maybe said, oh, I'll go to the next town. So is fear, does fear stop a person from being loving? Or is that just an excuse? Like, I'm not actually really afraid of getting hurt. I just don't want to stop. And then I say, oh, yeah, it's not safe to stop. You know, and then I'm justifying laziness or indifference using this Mm -hmm. whatever out that I have. Like, oh, yeah, people shouldn't stop. Yeah, so there's a lot to get in here about how to help your neighbors or the best way to safely provide love and help. But, yeah, there's always a lot to think about in this section, I think. Well, really, do you remember that time I was driving in Milwaukee to school? Mm -hmm. There was a person literally in the gutter, like, lying on the road. Um, So I stopped to help and I called the police and checked on her to see how she was doing and I was asked by three different police officers separately and the ambulance driver if I hit her and they checked out the front of my car because they didn't believe that I just stopped to help her they all thought that I hit her and um, I don't know I, I guess that's kind of a sad thing I know they're doing their job but um, it's not expected that people just help out strangers when they see them in need. And hmm. I don't know. I I guess I'm more, um, I'd rather be taken advantage of. I'm not like afraid of my life or anything. Maybe that's, you know, me Maybe being a guy, be. but... No, but, you know, I'd rather be taken advantage of than um, just pass by somebody. So, I don't know. Everyone's got to make their own decision on that and Mm -hmm. look at their own conscience, yeah, and see if they're making an excuse or they really are making the best decision. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot. And you could dig in there, too, with, like, how you help people who are asking for money you know Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people that don't because there's documented you know situations where there are con people who Mm -hmm. don't actually need help and they're making thousands of dollars a day just begging for money and and they don't really need the help you know so then people are like well I don't want to give to that person they're just you know, going to use it for this, that, and another thing. And so people don't give money to beggars for a lot of reasons. And then, you know, there's a lot you could go into there about, like, justifying, um, you know. Yeah. Why you do or do not and the intention, your intentions versus their intentions and all that stuff. But I think that... That gets talked about quite a bit, so I don't really have any mm-hmm. questions. Yeah, the key is just to just something. love and right. find a way to love everyone. Right. And that's about unconditional love, is you're not saying, I'll love you if you use my help in this way. Okay, so, anyways, let's read the next section. Verse 38. At the home of Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, 
he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So, I guess, I don't know if I have any questions on this section. Do you have any thoughts on Mary and Martha? Not really. It's, again, it's one of those that goes over a lot. We go over a lot. Um, Well, it says, when he came to the village where a woman named Martha opened her home, she had a sister named Mary. They don't mention Lazarus here. Mm-mm. Did he know Lazarus at this time? Did he just meet Mary and Martha? Is this the first time? No. Does earlier I think it says that uh, Mary had seven demons driven out of her. Oh. Okay. So Martha might have opened the house. Mary, and it might have been because she healed her sister Mary, and they all believed, and then we're not introduced till to Lazarus until later. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. She's, yep, doing work and preparations, and then, yeah. Which kind of goes back to the Good Samaritan, you know, don't let. And the sending of the 72, what we talked about, of stopping to greet people on the road. You know, don't let busy work distract you from God. But talking to people on the road isn't busy work. It's just kind to be like, good morning, and then, you know, keep walking. But greeting people could it could be a different Busy word. work, maybe, is not the right thing. Just don't let other things distract you from doing what God has asked you to do or doing what's most important. Yeah. Um, I didn't phrase any of that well. Mm-mm. So... Verse 41, or I'm sorry, 42, but only one thing is needed. There's a note. It says, some manuscripts say, but few things are needed, or only one. So it's kind of different in some texts, but he's saying, listening to God's word, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like what Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every breath that comes from the Holy Spirit. And um, did you ever have kids in catechism or say, like, oh, I don't have to clean my room now because God says it's only important that I listen to him? No. Oh, no so it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we don't have to do any work. God says just study. Mm-hmm. So we just woke up every morning, read our Bible all day, and didn't do anything else. How'd that work out? Well, uh, probably not very well for society. I mean, we serve God through everything we do. I know, but Martha here is like literally serving God. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, this is not important. Stop that. (laughs) No. It's not that Martha should stop. It's that 
she's upset at Mary. Oh, that she shouldn't be mad. Yeah, that Mary is literally learning from God mm-hmm. rather than getting God, or this meal ready. Like, it's not that preparing a meal and taking care of people is not important. It's just at this moment, I mean, Jesus might have been in the middle of a sermon, you know, right. or teaching this lesson. and So, like, don't get up in the middle of a sermon and start preparing snacks in the back of church? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> or... You know, don't, I don't know. There's there's lots of things you could do. You'd be like, well, you know, I'm at church, so I'm going to go do paperwork in the office, uh, you know, while everyone else is on there. Right. But. Yeah. So, it's finding that balance, serving God, and worshiping Him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of one of the, uh, stereotypes of the ushers you know that you'll have ushers that do their job but then most of the time during the sermon they're just in back like talking to each other what it's a very it's a negative stereotype yeah i think so it's I've a never, negative well I've maybe never had a stereo- negative <laughs> stereotype is not the right word it's a um I don't know. It's I've never a, thought it's, negatively it's, of any ushers, for the record. If okay. there are any ushers listening to this. It's a trap that some <laughs> ushers fall into. They but they're feel, working. They feel like, yeah, they don't have to listen to the sermon because they're doing other things. And I, I mean, I guess I don't want to judge what they're feeling. But I've seen it happen before. And hmm. so. I always see them sitting very attentively. I love all my ushers. They're awesome. But then again, I'm usually listening, so I'm not looking in the back to see what they're doing. Yeah, see, I'm looking the opposite way as everyone else, so... (laughs) You see more things. Okay, well, then that's the end of that. Then we'll uh, do chapter 11 next time. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura wake up.